0: Welcome to Conversations with Cliniva. I'm Yulia Sidrova, the CEO of Cliniva. We are a women's healthcare platform for Africa, aiming to revolutionize how healthcare is delivered to 500 million women on the continent. We created this podcast to have honest and useful conversations about health and other important problems. This season, I'll be having a series of talks with people and business leaders from the Kenyan ecosystem around topics of wellness and wellbeing in the workplace. Today, I'm speaking with Fadzai Hundu, the Head of People for Africa and International Markets at BOLT. Fadzai has over a decade of experience leading people teams across Sub-Saharan Africa. She was also featured as one of the top 20 disruptive people leaders in Kenya in 2023. We speak about why wellness is important and urgent for employers, how to design an inclusive well-being program for a diverse workforce, how to understand the ROI of wellness and make a strong case to senior management to invest in healthcare. And now I bring you Fadzai Hondo. I'm here with uh, Fadzai Hondo, Fadzai Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Julia. Great to be here.
0: I'd love us to start with a bit of your own story and your journey.
1: Yeah, perfect. So I'm Fadzai. I am based in Nairobi in Kenya. Um, My role currently is head of people for African international markets at Bolt. Um, I think I've always worked across Africa, started my career in, in Southern Africa, grew into East and West, a lot of exposure in sub-Saharan Africa. Heading the people team, looking at how we think about one, our teams, but also our performance, our health and so on is always a very important part of my work and the function as a people team.
0: I just saw the news that Bolt surpassed 100 million rides in Kenya. Congratulations on that milestone. Thank Um, you.
1: We've had to grow quite a lot internally and so on. We're we're really excited by the growth in Kenya and Africa specifically, because that's where a lot of the growth is coming for the business.
0: You, as you said, are also covering other except Kenya. So it's really a lot of fast growth. And given that growth rate, what are Mm -hmm. some of the people priorities and concerns that are on your mind?
1: In terms of people, we are looking at health and wellness is coming out quite a lot as a topic of of interest through our surveys, through multiple different platforms, conversations with my team and and the respective people that we speak to in the business. Health and wellness, career growth and development, retention. How do I grow in my career? How do I make sure that I have a work-life balance? And I can see that this is a trend that's coming More and more now, I think three, four years ago, it wasn't as big of a priority for a lot of people. But post-COVID, looking at how people work, a little intersectionality between home and the workplace for all of us has become a very big topic. Um, So for us, as we look and think about, especially the area of work-life balance, physical and mental health becomes a very big topic for us. And general wellness for our employees in different demographics and, and who have different responsibilities, both in the workplace and at home, um, becomes a very important topic for us. What does the workplace environment look like and how do we enable a setup both where they work at home and in the office that allows for people to be open, to have the best possible Ergonomic chair is an example, things that we previously didn't really look at. So that becomes a priority for us. What is the cost of healthcare? What is the value and impact that our healthcare programs and systems have for our employees? Do we have deeper employee-assisted programs? So those are some of the things that we look at when we talk about one enhancing performance globally. I think anyway, outside of just Africa or Kenya. Employee performance is a big one, making sure that you enable the best performance and have quality standard performance across the business. And the subset of healthcare, wellness, work life balance becomes really important for all of us.
0: Very interesting. And how so you mentioned an aspect around healthcare and wellness equity when you look at very different groups, women in particular. That's also becoming a very important topic, not when it just comes to healthcare, but in general, equity in the workplace. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that aspect? How do we really identify the needs of a specific group and then design a program that's equitable for them? And we can use an example of women as that. group. Yeah, it's a great
1: question. I think that... One of the things we've started to do is just look at, one, assessing our employees in general and what their specific needs are. Recently, we rolled out a global caregiver survey as an example. So, one, first understand who you have in the workforce, right, and what their needs are. And I say caregivers. It becomes important in the conversation around women because we found that majority of women are caregivers, so how do you balance between, and I say caregivers to mean, one, their children or young dependents that they have, but also the parents, they could be parents or relatives that are in need of healthcare support. And it's mm-hmm. typically the women that have that additional responsibility. When we talk about even just reproductive health and the need for mater- maternal wellness and that experience and what that does one in your career and two as you try and juggle what you need to do at home so we then found that women in addition to obviously your career and everything that's going on there's a high dependency for caregiving and support and then in the topic of health and wellness in asking our employees questions around this and we do this through our engagement survey instead of creating additional surveys and additional touch points if you're going to do just a pulse we created one just to focus on, let's think broadly beyond what is happening with employee performance one-to-one and how the holistic being needs to be you know thought about. So in asking that, women specifically came with those issues. And then what we did was build one of the things that's great about Bolt already is that we have quite a long maternity leave period. So typically across Africa, it's, you know, three months, three or four months, depending on the market. We have a seven month program where women can spend time taking care of their children, their newborns. And I think it's a period that we really then allow people to spend that time mentally, emotionally, physically with the newborn, especially because our demographic is quite young. So a lot of our our demographic is first time mothers. So creating that equity and allowing them to, I think, spend the time when they come back to work, it becomes a lot easier. You're not kind of in two minds. I think mothers out there would, would understand that sometimes you come back and you're thinking, have I really weaned my ch- child off? They may not be eating yet solids and all sorts of questions that come to your mind and anxieties around that. So that already creates a bit of support, extended support in our in our setup. The other thing that we did that was then a realization from this long seven-month period is that when they come back, they need to be reboarded. So you come back to work and a lot of things have changed and you're not understanding why has it changed and, and what are some of the challenges. So we've built a program to allow them to, when they come back, who are the new people? Who has left? What are some of the challenges that we're finding? What's new in the office? Where can you find support around consultations? We also have a mental health program that's quite intense. So if someone says, hey, I'm struggling with coming back to work, there's a consultant through a a consultation you can have through our employee assistant program. So really understanding the demographic of your workforce. This might not work for someone who maybe has an older demographic, right? So think about what is the demographic, get the information of the needs of the people, and then build your programs based on that with a holistic view.
0: So many interesting things and topics here. We at cliniva are also big fans of diagnostics uh, and surveys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we often see is that when HR teams introduce that, the response is often a little bit negative because people feel like it's intrusive. Why are you asking me about my reproductive health? Uh, how do you make sure you build that trust and engagement in, in those surveys?
1: It's very true, especially in our, like our culture is, you know, the African population is we don't talk about these things. So what we found is that in addition to, or before you do any sort of diagnosis online, whether however you do it, is having the conversations and creating space for dialogue. One of the things we did during Women's Month this year was bring the women together and talk about a couple of things. One, the family structure, and two, your professional career, and some of the intersectionalities that come in there. So starting to open up that dialogue, created an element of us to start creating trust and saying that, look, seeing, especially us as senior leaders, we do have a lot of very senior leaders in our organization, fortunately, who are women in tech and leading in our roles, our CEO, our head of marketing, myself, head of legal, all females, our country manager for Kenya. And we said, let's just have a conversation and talk about these things juggling family, juggling the health needs of your children, and advising sort of the employees that either have kids or about to have kids on just, look, sometimes it's difficult. And having those conversations, it helped create and start to build that space where you can have dialogue around it. And it's not, hey, HR wants to come and ask us really invasive questions. But it's a follow-up of a conversation that we've started, right? And it's a space to start saying, look, in addition to this, we would love to have a session on parenting, for example, and parenting children who are of a certain age looks very different than those of a certain age. So it started this a two-way conversation rather than HR coming and asking for, for private data.
0: Very interesting. So it's also been clear about your intentions, right? Yes. It's a starting step in this longer program. Yeah. That helps. You described this maternal program that you have at Vault, which sounds really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I imagine many HR leaders, uh, HR teams who could listen to this would think is that It sounds great, but it's a huge cost, right? Mm -hmm. And I hardly have a budget for health insurance, just basic Mm -hmm. health insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think about the business value that a problem like this brings?
1: Yeah, (laughs) we've had this conversation as well with our global organization. Uh, Whether you work globally or locally, the budget conversation comes in very, very quickly. And I think for us, what we've done to create this building uh, a business case, if you will, to align with whoever your stakeholders are on what you want to do in the form of healthcare, It may not be as comprehensive as we're moving from three months to four or five months or seven in our case for maternity health. But if it's just about let's look at what we have now and see how we can create the right ROI for employees. One of the things we did was we looked at one, start with what is your current budget? If you don't have one and you want to go after the budget, that's the next step around talking to your, uh, in this case, we worked with a broker to go out and do a tender and say, Hey, this is what we want to achieve based on all the data that we've gathered. These are the areas that we need better support for our employees And we have this data and we can show all the various leaders. So go out there and use the brokers to negotiate on your behalf. Because sometimes I think going direct for me hasn't been a good tactic. Um, Brokers will always have various relationships with different health organizations and can negotiate a lot more from a corporate perspective. So that's been helpful for us. And then with that, being able to, like, I knew that this is my budget, we had to turn around what our policy was on healthcare. Um, Besides the seven month program that was there, we didn't have very good healthcare benefits prior to 2022, I would say, and looked at the market data. So one, get the information in terms of your budget. Two, understand what you can gain from brokers and have them negotiate on your behalf. Three was get the market data. So we were able to say that Similar organizations, multinational organizations, or tech startup companies, etc., comparing to us, what are they doing through the same brokers? What are people employ? What are people offering to their employees? Where do we fall in line with that? Because then you have the conversation around retention. You have a conversation around being able to attract the right talent, and leaders start listening. So if you're saying, "Hey, I want to be able to hire the best talent for you," but we're struggling because we don't have comprehensive health benefits. Suddenly they're like, okay, what does it take for us to do this? And what portion of cost can I give to allow me to be able to hire the best employees, to retain my top talent and to enable performance? Uh, I think those three things that at the very minimum, as you build a proposal become very important so that people can see and business leaders can say, this is not just about HR wanting to spend money. This is about me as my, you know, as a manager, as a director, whoever you're speaking to, being able to get the best talent, keep the best talent and continue to get good performance. Because you find that when healthcare is not holistic and doesn't support and enable, people are really quite stressed. You can imagine I have a headache and I I don't have the facilities or the means to get it done. And that just perpetuates the problem even more. So we were able to get, even in our own context, buy-in from managers and leaders, one, using the data that we have in terms of employees are, are struggling with performance, and a lot of it is due to sick leave, monitoring that, absenteeism, et cetera. A lot of it is preventative. If you it can be prevented if you have the right healthcare systems, industry benchmarks, all of this data then allowed all of our leaders to say, and and what we did was break it down, because if you take all your leaders and say, hey, how much cost sits with me? A trick that I use sometimes is, hey, finance team, can you help me do a forecast of what this looks like in the next one? Let's say we're implementing now up to year end over the next two to three years. And what is the return on investment potentially? If I say, this is going to reduce my attrition, it's going to allow me to hire better talent and actually keep them longer so that you can do a cross-section analysis. Leaders actually then buy in. They almost become your your ally and support you in, in the conversation rather than saying it's an HR
0: initiative. I'd like us to linger a bit more on this because it's one of the challenges we hear a lot from mm. HR teams. Um, mm. We've spoken to a lot of HR leaders who do understand the business case. They're very much for creating more comprehensive healthcare benefits, but the moment they bring it to senior leadership, it gets blocked, especially when it's something that does require spending. When it's a yoga class initiated by the rest of the team, great, but when it's actually something to do with longer maternity leave or getting a more comprehensive healthcare cover. Mm It's often very difficult to sell, particularly in our turbulent times um, Mm -hmm. when everyone is is looking at all kinds of cost-cutting measures. Uh, What do you think is driving that resistance to healthcare um, Mm -hmm. as one of the highest ROI tools at senior management? Mm -hmm. And do you have any other tricks you could share with uh, HRs on how to make it happen?
1: I I think the resistance just comes from looking at budget as a singular topic um, and not seeing beyond Mm -hmm. just these numbers. So, hey, I have my operating costs. Payroll is a big cost as it is. Employee benefits is a big cost as it is. How do I reduce this to make my P&L look better? That's usually the singular um, issue. If you can show leaders that, In not investing in this, you're going to have an additional cost. One of the things and tricks that we used and are continuing to to use a lot more is looking at sick leave as a measure and absenteeism as a measure and saying that, look, if we do nothing, people continue to have illnesses and sicknesses, the common cold, a headache here that is unresolved. I don't get my antibiotics because my outpatient has run out and I don't have access to anything else. So I'm gonna stay at home. Now, your performance is subpar because you're struggling and you're you're not managing. And suddenly sharing those, breaking it down, for me, has been a helpful trick. Instead of going, hey, this one big number and we're talking to one leader, take your team and say who are the, the leadership on the team and, and work with one leader at a time. Start where you know there are problems. So, hey, I've started to see that there's absenteeism high number of sick leaves. And it's usually that one sick leave this week, another one next week. people aren't taking a block where it looks like red flag. So I think that piece alone is is quite a powerful tool to break down and say, let's start with one leader at a time and start saying, isn't it painful? And And getting them to become the ally so that they look at it beyond just I'm going to spend this one amount and sign it off and and finding that when that one leader. So suddenly it was me as HR talking the same broken record and nobody was listening. I've added the head of legal as an example, or I've added another team operations manager, and they're starting to understand and see the picture. And they're saying, look, it actually doesn't help me to have my team rotationally go on sick leave or rotationally start talking about don't push me too much because my mental health is going to be affected. I think these are some of the conversations that leaders, leaders themselves don't like having. So I think one tactic we used recently was on the topic of mental health, we said, hey, if we do nothing, leave it alone. You, as the managers, have to now manage. When an employee comes to you and says, I can't perform because you've stressed me out so much and my mental health is at risk. How do you, as a leader, have the tools to be able to assess if this is real, and then what do I do if this is a real issue? So if we take ourselves out of it and don't support with a corporate policy and a corporate structure, it sits on you, and you may not be able to to have the tools and skills to, to navigate it because it is complex. It's a sensitive topic. We're not wired, especially in the African context, to know how to handle such conversations. Most average leaders won't have that. So starting to give them that picture and say, we can help you now, or you can deal with it one-on-one by yourself. Suddenly they get a little bit nervous and anxious and, okay, how can you help me? Um, And that's been helpful. So, So we do have quite a comprehensive employee assistant program. And then tracking the numbers. So it's one thing, let's say you do get it over the line and you win and you manage to get it through. Keep monitoring and showing them that, look, we've put this in as a, right now we have uh, mental health capabilities. We have financial support. A lot of people were saying, I get stressed out because the changes in Kenya that we know with finances are quite high and I don't know what to do. So we have financial counseling available to employees. Then you look and you say, how much are we using? How much have we saved in time that they would have been asking you as the manager what to do around this, and so on. Then continuing to track those numbers, giving them the, this is the actual real value and impact that you're getting from it. It enables you to then, you know, continue to add a little bit more as and when it becomes needed.
0: Mm -hmm. And what what about areas of healthcare that are less obvious? So, for example, women's healthcare issues that Mm -hmm. often, are not visible to male leaders, for example. If we talk about menopause or PCOS, these are things that are either stigmatized or something that a male CEO would never relate to. they just never seen it in in their life. How to go about those trickier areas?
1: Women's health in general... Even just the, I have to hire more women as a diversity measure. And they say, you know, men could be saying, well, then they have to go on maternity leave. And what then happens to me? So there is already a, a stigma around this. But specifically around issues, menopause is an example, PCOS and all the related adenomyosis, endometriosis, et cetera. What we found is one, allowing the employee space to say that they have these issues and in a safe space with women as a starting point, because what a lot of the realization is that women are going through this without having anyone to talk about it with or having the support system to to be able to say, okay, how do I navigate it? What's going on? What are some of the support tools that are available to me? What are some of the doctors in the market that you know because we work in the same organization i know where i got support as an example and and i know exactly who to go to and what the process is and i can guide someone on there i think that's the first part is removing that stigma for for ourselves as women and having the conversation on how to support and enable ourselves i think that empowers then you know yourself whether you're you need to go to your own manager and then say this is what i'm going through you may not have to explain I don't think our our men yet are ready to go into this conversation with their relatives, let alone with their employees, right? Um, So it may be that, hey, I'm going through a healthcare uh, challenge. This is what it's going to mean. I don't expect that I'm going to be out of the office or whatever, depending on what sort of level of support that the person needs to be able to manage some of these topics. I think it gives us, for me, the approach is always empower the women to be able to share. Whatever is comfortable for them to share, and we give them that advice to say, "Look, this is what you're going to need. This is how, within the structures of our corporate policy of healthcare, you can get one, two, three, four things to support you." And I found that that's been helpful. A lot of women saying that, you know, we, I didn't know that other people had it, or I thought I was the only one suffering through this, and it's a helpful you know, tip that, oh, you can go and get, you know, women who are going through menopause want little fans, as an example. And it's, hey, just go and get it. And you so have the conversation with someone in a group. So just empowering them to say that you're not going through it alone and then giving them the tools to say, just a high level topic. This is what the plan is going to look like. This is the expected timeline for my treatment. And. I think reassuring the manager that it's not going to impact in performance because I have a plan. There's a difference in I don't know what's going on with me. It may or may not be a month or a week, and I don't know what's happening. That anyway creates anxiety, questions, that stigma continues to grow. Whereas if you simplify it and talk about it in a, hey, I'm going through something over the next six months to resolve an issue my health is not going to be impacted, my performance, I may need one day out to go for reviews. Suddenly that's like, oh, okay, that's reasonable. We can talk through it logically without having to talk about any sort of negative associations with anything.
0: I also find this personal story been very powerful and yeah. storytelling been very powerful because of how we wired mm-hmm. often. One personal story makes more impact than saying that 60% of our women suffer from infertility. Do you have any employee stories throughout your career that are memorable to you in terms of how healthcare has impacted someone in a positive or negative way that you would like to share with us? Yeah, for sure.
1: I I think two stories come to mind. One was one of our employees had just had a child and the baby, I don't think first child, so, you know, quite a mature individual who had had several children, so maybe third or fourth baby. And then the child was born with a congenital issue. And looking at our healthcare provider, the T's and C's that you probably don't look at very closely sometimes, Mm -hmm. realize that there is an exclusion. So our internal, you know, healthcare inpatient cover was up to a certain amount, newborn cover was up to a certain amount, there was an exclusion for congenital birth challenges. Right, What that meant was, there was a bill of 700,000 shillings for the first process that needed to happen that wasn't included in the cover, even though the inpatient limit hadn't been taxed or exhausted because there was that exclusion was there and, and that caused a lot of challenges. We then, you know, at that time didn't have, we had a group excess of loss. So tapped into that to allow, you know, some of the cover to, to be in there. But the learning from that was pay attention to a lot of these finer details that you may not do in initially because that becomes a stress and pain for the health, for the HR team to manage and figure out because of these exclusions. So. One in that experience is is looking at a lot of what is included versus excluded and what are the limits. I think the same thing happened to a lot of employees or employers when we're looking at COVID, and initially there wasn't COVID cover in a lot of these uh, healthcare policies. So, one, in the end, it worked out because we had group excess of loss and we were able to support the employee through it. But the learning there was hey, Speak to someone in the medical profession, I think yourself, and there's a lot of people who are there who can guide you through this and just say, hey, what does this actually mean when we have some of these? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't have known before then what is congenital and what does this mean and so on. So that was one where there was a bit of a negative experience. Fortunately, we managed and were able to learn. On the positive side, though, we had now in my current role, a individual who had gone through maternity. We had just added all these maternity benefits that previously weren't there, including, like I said, the mental health, all the support. And then when they came back to work, she was just really struggling with her own experience and, you know, navigating as a new mom. How do I navigate between work and all of this? And at some point, you know, the manager said, hey, take a step back. Remember, there is this mental health support that is available to you." Remember, you can take some time off, given that we do have, you know, comprehensive support for leave, et cetera. So went and was able to get confirmation that she did have postpartum depression, but also created a plan through the mental health support facility that we have. One, to be able to recognize that I think previously in a lot of the context I think myself even probably had postpartum, but one didn't have the tools to know that this is a possibility. So one, I think just the awareness that it's there, it's possible, but there's a plan to help you support and leverage through it. And and managers for us have been trained on, you know, just very generally, hey, if someone is going through mental health issues, it's just like a physical illness, right? And there's a plan and there's, there's treatment and there's healing and there's all of this and there's timelines. So being able to give them that, I think in the last year, I think this person has been with us for for about a year and a half. So in the year, just saying that, you know what, I, one, I would have never been able to get diagnosed. And my family wouldn't have understood that there is such a thing that, why would you not be happy? You've just had a baby, it's a blessing and so on That that typically happens in our culture. And being able to get them over the line and and really get that support was a really great story. And for them to come back and say, because of that, I was able to navigate, one, be a better mom to my child, to also navigate so that I get back to my performance, to being a top performer like I was which I wouldn't have been able to do without, without this platform. I think two stories there, learning for the HR team, but also for employees. It's really important when, when we do have these things. You, you could have ended up with someone who stopped performing well, don't understand what's going on with them, left the business. It's a loss-loss to both sides. Whereas in this case, I think everybody wins uh, because of that facility. Yeah. And
0: that second story touches a lot on the mental health issues yeah that's such a hot topic but also very very complex and, and mm-hmm. often scary to hr teams because of its breadth mm-hmm. and lack of, of knowledge as well how do you think about mental health and mental health benefits for for both mm-hmm. so within both
1: we're very fortunate that we have a global policy that just says if you need mental health support we will support you We also deliberately, I think because I walked into this, when we were looking at our local partners in terms of healthcare, we did ask and say, hey, what do you have locally that is available for mental health that we can already build into the the policy that won't touch my outpatient? Because people get really scared, right? If I'm going to go and see someone for a consultation... And they tell me i need 10 sessions to take me through whether it's grief or it's anxiety whatever you're dealing with which all of us in humans have something that we're dealing with at any given time people then shy away from that the minute that you're, you're touching my outpatient what's going to happen when i actually have a cold what's going to happen when my child needs etc so we found that that helped to remove that from a personal perspective to say that actually I can go and talk to someone when we removed it from the standard benefits that were in the the, the policy already. Creating that and then assessing what's there in the market. I, I think as HR, you don't have to be an expert or knowledgeable. Like you said, the depth and breadth of mental issues is, it's so wide and deep. I had to learn that there's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, and those are different people. So, Lean, lean into what's available. I think in Kenya, we're very lucky that there are quite a number of people who can help in this topic, who are qualified to be able to help and build that. So find a partnership with an organization, an entity, a person, someone who will be able to help with the needs that you have so that you don't have to answer all these questions spend time. I think one of the things that we did as well is have a talk. I'm actually not at BOLD, but in my prior role um, at Nielsen within Ke- within Kenya, is have a mental health comprehensive conversation from the provider. So your whoever your healthcare or health insurance provider is, often they do have this capability to at least allow people to start having the conversation and broach the topic. So one Build that awareness for your employees that they are, you know, sometimes there are issues and they talked about everything from postpartum depression to dealing with anxiety to stress and what is internal versus external stress. It takes away the stigma of mental health being everybody must go to Mathari right away, right? And just saying that, look, we are coping and dealing through various levels of different mental health needs and topics. And it's okay to say, I need the help. And, and this is what the possible health can look like. So that was one thing. And then training the HR team to just say, look, very basic. These are some of the topics can, that can come up. This is how you help when someone says they have an issue like this. Everything from, you know, basics. Oh, I just need some help dealing with grief. I've just lost someone close to me and my family. Hey, this is who can help you. And you sort of know as an HR team, where to guide and direct people to go to something as as serious as hey i need some time off for you know i need to be mentally blocked off so a lot of people are okay and can handle the we have a medical offboarding process that needs to happen because someone got cancer or you know we've understood over time how to handle it so we've built that in as well for for mental needs or requirements for the business to say that listen at least the hr team understands who to direct the person to if they need it. And then explain to the manager that this is what's happening. This is how long the person needs some time off. We don't expect that there's going to be any issues. And then just to give them that support, both for the employee and for the manager, I think is, is a key role for HR in that space.
0: One prospecting theme that I hear in, in all your answers, which is quite impressive, is that you don't just look at well-being uh, as a healthcare issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, you see it to be much more comprehensive. So when you mentioned uh, the workplace design, ergonomic seats, empowering your managers to own and have the tools for mental health support. Mm -hmm. These are all the prerequisites and enablers. And if you don't have them, then the best, most comprehensive healthcare cover might not move the needle. I also see it as maybe sounding too overwhelming for someone who might not have as much courage or as many supportive resources around them. Uh, what advice would you give to HR teams that are maybe just starting and want to design a comprehensive healthcare wellbeing program, but just don't know where to start?
1: I think start with the what you have. In general, across the market, most people have some level of health insurance for their employees, whether it's like, hey, we do 50% cover for our employee and whatever that looks like. Start there and start looking at the data and start looking at the trends and say, okay, if I look at this, what's the number one related topic or issue that is taking up my outpatient for all my employees? What's the number one issue that people went to which hospitals did they go to what so if you start by this is what we already have existing in our system let's look at the data and analyze that and just see what is happening with our employee group at least start with that and then prioritize based on i think when i look at the data it's a, one of the reports recently was saying stomach issues is the number one issue followed by some sort of infection like viral infection so if I take those two and say, okay, can I do more with just that information? If it's stomach issues, should we talk about something around diet and fitness? And it doesn't mean I have to build it as the HR person. Go back to the health insurance provider and say, hey, we've looked at the, we've looked at the report. Do you have people who can talk about nutrition, who can talk about diet and impact, who can talk about this? And can they come and talk to us twice in the next quarter? I think that's how you slowly start to build this, okay, now there's more and there's more layers, et cetera. So for me, it's just get the data first from from your health insurance provider in terms of where your staff is. That's one very simple step that you can start building on. The other is a lot of organizations already do some sort of satisfaction, engagement, you know, survey that's in there. Start putting in one or two questions that are around health, wellness, and well-being. Does my employer, do I feel like my employer cares about the well-being or my personal well-being? Just start very high level with one or two questions that you can start building in and start measuring and saying, okay, next quarter or next however long you do your, your surveys, we have a baseline. We have a starting point that employees feel that their wellness is cared for or a priority for the organization. I think the internal piece is to get that data and information from your staff as it exists and then from your health insurance provider to be able to then build around those two things slowly.
0: And Fazai, to open the real Pandora box at the end of our conversation, (laughs) what are your thoughts on the Kenyan healthcare system in general? What are the main challenges? What do you think matters most? There?
1: I think for the Kenyan healthcare system, one is access. And I think about access broadly, besides, yes, in the employer group, everybody lives and has access to different financial facilities and so on. So access to healthcare is a big one. What are the facilities that are there? Do the facilities also provide for the right level, holistically. A lot of people travel up country, for example. Do you have access to healthcare when you are up country? You may have someone in your house, in your household as domestic care, which many of us have to, to be able to go to work. Does your domestic care have healthcare access? If your child gets sick and the domestic care gets the same illness, how do you handle that? You know, you're in one care, maybe you have access through your employer, and you have enough places to go to, but how do you then support and enable your domestic care to be able to get the health so it doesn't continue to go around if it's a virus, et cetera, in the house. So I think that that's a big topic and a really important one, quality of affordable healthcare. So one, access. Two is, is it affordable and is the quality of the same or right level for everybody when you talk about affordable healthcare? I think, management of different or prevention of infectious diseases, for example. I've seen quite a few things going around. I think it's cholera that they keep talking about. Mm. It's malaria. Government of Kenya is issuing all these things. So what do we know about it? How do we handle and treat it in a way that doesn't create more issues, prevent those, those issues, even chronic illness. What is the, how do we approach chronic illness? How do we think about it? What is the quality around there? And I think public-private partnerships or just partnerships in general. So obviously you and I started this conversation saying, you know, what can we do to help this conversation? How do we bridge the gap, for example, for some of the, two, the topics that we've already spoken about So, what are the partnerships that can help within your area, within your sphere to start building that? Um, I think mental health, I can't go without saying, is a huge topic for us in Kenya, in Africa in general. But if there is, what is the awareness around mental health? What is the access that is available? Is there affordable access for mental health issues or topics or conversations? And then how do you get access to that? without creating the stigma for your families, for your employers, for your colleagues, et cetera. I think those would be the major challenges for me in Kenya.
0: There's indeed a lot of work to be done. So it's access quality, it's mental versus physical health. Mm And last question, Fazai, what are your one or two goals when it comes to your team's well-being and healthcare care for, for the next 12 months? What, what would you like to achieve in a year's time? So for me
1: right now, we have put in the thing, the tools for people to use. Our oh, utilization levels are so low. Um, mm-hmm. So my, one of the main goals for, for me and my team is how to create one, understand why the utilization is low. Is it that the service providers are not accessible? Are they, you know, what is it that's causing this from potentially the the service providers that are there um, in my EAP programs? And then two, how do we get people to start utilizing it? Because a lot of the times people are coming and saying, I'm stressed, I don't know how to handle this. I'm trying to cope with this. And it's not always workplace stress. It could be, you know, personal life, et cetera, financial stress that I feel a lot of Kenyans are feeling right now with all the changes that have come through. The tools are there, but people are not using it. So how do we shift the narrative? What is it that we need to do? So number one goal is increasing my utilization for uh, the different facilities that we have beyond just, you know, I went to the doctor, I, you know, the usual ones, the more comprehensive side of things. I think that's one big area that is a big goal for us. Another goal for us is around the awareness and support of managers across the team. So I think we've done a lot of work and kudos to my team for building our own capabilities and understanding and supporting this. Our managers still have a long way to go. And that's just, we work and live in Kenya. We work and live in Africa. We have a lot of work around this. So, for us, it's raising the awareness and capability of our managers to really unlock so that if we're not in the room, they own it and they can talk about it with their teams and they actually enable and support their teams to think about wellness holistically and not stigmatize and not, you know, create some sort of, hey, this is what's happening. I don't really know what it means. That's the common thing that people say. So, how do you create that? Accountability and ownership for our managers to actually own and drive wellness for their employees. I think those are the two major goals for us in not only up to year end, but even 2024 will be the focus.
0: Well, thank you so much, Zai. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks again for joining us here.
1: Thank you, Yulia. I really appreciate it and uh, happy to continue the conversation because, as you said, there's a lot of work to do across
0: the board. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks so much.